gosh, it's been such a good three months. It's been so good. And uh, it's just so nice being with you guys as family. It feels like family. And as Matt was saying, seeing everybody, caring for each other, and it's beautiful. And highlights for me would be um, Gareth's medium pace bowling in the park. <laughs> and I have to tell you, he shows his son no mercy with that. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then like about 50 kids arriving from the Oak Church and swarming all over the climbing gear and uh, taking the park over. It was amazing. Um, good stuff. And we've been thinking today just about um, how God wants to resource you as a church in a new way. And, uh, you know, how he's giving a fresh outpouring of his spirit, fresh faith for people coming to Christ, a fresh call to build, all of those things. And tonight we're going to be thinking about how God also wants to give you as a church fresh encounters with his heart along the way. And the rest that comes from that as you kind of encounter God's heart on the journey with him, building together. And man... We know we need rest and refreshment like that, don't we? Especially after the last 18 months, just been hugely challenging in all kinds of ways. You know, people are still processing all of the kind of the loss and the isolation and the disorientation and the confusion. I'm still kind of coming out of all of that in many ways, and I'm sure you are as well. You're feeling it. But into all of that, Jesus is speaking, and he says this. He says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you know, you won't find a better summary anywhere of what Jesus is about than this. He says, come to me because I'm humble and gentle, and whoever you are, I can give you the rest you're looking for. And man, this is just an astonishing claim, isn't it? I mean, just look at the audacity of this, that somebody would say this about themselves. Jesus says, here's the answer to all of the needs in the world, to all of the needs in your life. Here's the answer. Come to me. Come to me. But man, Look at the puzzle of it as well. He says, yeah, I, I am the answer to all of the needs in the world. Why? Because I'm humble and gentle. I mean, how does that work? One commentator writing about this says, these words are self-authenticating. They are beyond the invention of any human writer. Nobody making up words to put in the mouth of a God person would have either the insight or the daring to say them. Anybody who understands these words has come right into the very heart of Christianity. And so what is Jesus saying here then with this kind of promise of rest and encounter with his heart? He's telling us three things. He's telling us about our deep need for that kind of rest. He's telling us about the rest he offers and how we can get it. Our deep need for it, the rest he offers and how to get it. So let's have a look at these three together. First of all, our deep need for rest, because Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I will give you rest. What's weariness? Weariness is kind of tiredness mixed in with disappointment, isn't it? Weariness comes when you work and work and work, but you don't get the outcome you were looking for or hoping for. And so you're tired and disappointed and you just think, oh man, like why bother? That's weariness. And you know, this taps into one of the great themes of the Bible that goes all the way back to the very beginning, 
that every human heart shares the same basic needs, that we're all looking for the same things in one form or another, but we're all looking for them in the wrong places. You see this right back in the very first story of the Bible. Just look at this for a second. Because when Adam and Eve eat the fruit they've been told not to eat in the Genesis story, why do they do that? Have you ever wondered about that? The story says it was because they saw that the fruit was good to eat that it looked good and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. Good to eat. In other words, this was something that was going to bring them physical comfort and pleasure, but also because it looked good. In other words, they could see, wow, this is something of real value. And if I I take that and take it to myself, I can take some of the value of that to me. I'll become more valuable if I have this. Do you see, they took the fruit out of a desire for comfort and value But also it says, because it was desirable for gaining wisdom. And so what was that all about? Do you know, the snake in the garden had told them, hey, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat from this tree is because it's the best one. You can't trust God. But if you eat from this tree, actually what will happen is you'll become like God. You'll have the wisdom of God. And so you'll be able to take back control of your life. It was about control and self-assertion. And being in charge of your own life. And what the Genesis story shows is that these three things are like the primary colors of the human heart. These three things, we all have that desire for comfort and that desire to know my life has value. But not only that, we all have as well a deep need to kind of assert ourselves on the world around us. To shape the world rather than be shaped by it. To feel as though we're not just the victims of chaos and life is out of control. And all three of those things have been given by God. You know, your heart's kind of hardwired to need those things because those needs have been placed there by God to drive you into his arms. But the mistake that Adam and Eve made and the mistake that we all make is thinking we can have those needs met in the deepest possible way in something other than God and his love. And so we take something else, some other good thing, and we tell ourselves, hey, that, that's what I really need, you know, for comfort or to know my life has value or to feel secure. And our heart latches on to something else that we make into the hope for our life. What is that for you? Because this is why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He's saying you're, you're already yoked to something. Your heart is already given over to something that you thought would fulfill your deepest needs, but whatever that thing is, it can't deliver the fulfillment that you need in the measure that you need it. And so as a result, we end up weary. That's why we end up always chasing, never feeling like we've arrived, never feeling like we can rest. And man, COVID-19 just drove like a massive coach and horses through all of that, didn't it? Because So many of our sources of comfort and value were just decimated in the last 18 months. I mean, you know, and as for control, like, poof, like, just felt like like life was out of control, didn't it? And so many of the things that I think show my life has value were under attack. You know, if, if that was your work, for many of us, we were working twice as hard to be half as effective. Or if it was your relationships, they were all under pressure and fracturing, And as a result, it left us weary. It left us with that sense of tiredness mixed with disappointment. But Jesus is saying, hey, life doesn't have to be like that. You can come to me 
if you're feeling that sort of weariness and burden, and I will give you rest, rest. When I was a kid, I was really impacted watching Chariots of Fire about two sprinters at the 1924 Paris Olympics. And at a certain point in the film, one of them, Harold Abrahams, is talking to his girlfriend and he says to her, when I run, all I have is a corridor four feet wide and 10 lonely seconds to prove the value of my existence. He says, I feel like I'm always chasing something in life. I don't even know what it is I'm pursuing. A bit later on in the film, he says, if I can't win, I'm not going to run. He's finding all his value in his running. But the other one, Eric Little says, God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure, his pleasure. Man, like that just amazes me. Harold Abrahams was weary even when he was resting, but Eric Little was resting even when he was sprinting because he felt the pleasure of God. Both Olympic athletes, same challenges, same pressures, totally different experiences. And Jesus is saying, this is what I have for you. You can experience life differently. Yes, life is busy and challenging and pressurized in all kinds of ways, but your experience of that can be utterly different. Even in the middle of all of that, you can enjoy my rest, my rest. And so what is that rest then? Jesus says two things about it. He says, it comes as we walk with him. And he says, it comes from his own heart. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know, these are the only verses in the Bible where we get told what Jesus' heart is like. I mean, think of all the thousands of verses written about Jesus in the Bible. This is the only place where we get told about his heart. And in the Bible, the heart is more than just your emotions. In the Bible, the heart's about what gives you life. The heart's about what's core to who you are. It's about, you know, what you think about when you wake up in the morning and what you think about as you you drift off to sleep. It's what gets you out of bed. It's like the motivational headquarters for your whole being. And when Jesus tells us what that is for him, when he pulls back the veil and he lets us see what's at the very core of who he is, he says this, I'm gentle and humble in heart, not harsh or easily frustrated, gentle. And that word he uses for humble is actually a word that means lowly or low down. In other words, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm easy to access because, you know, to be lowly is to be somebody who's accessible by all and obtainable by all, however great or small they are, you know, to be lowly, a little kid can, can encounter you and embrace you. Jesus says, that's me. He says, I'm available. I'm accessible. I'm lowly. He says, you want to know the essence of who I am? It's this, I'm gentle and I am open to all. And when you read the Gospels, you, you see that, don't you? You see Jesus actually living this out. You see Jesus not just open, but actually moving towards sinful, broken people, moving towards people in need, moving towards people who've come to the end of themselves, moving towards rejected people and broken people. Jesus goes out and he moves towards people, doesn't he? He seeks those people out. And when he finds them, what does he do? He reaches down and he embraces them and he lifts them up. He touches and he holds contagious people, unclean people, immoral people, rejected people. He goes out to them and he holds them. He embraces them. 
The deepest instinct of his heart is to go after people like that and lift them up. You know, one thing you learn as a parent pretty early on is that it's quite hard to be happier than your unhappiest kid. It's difficult to be happier than your unhappiest kid. And what I mean by that is this. You find your heart gets so bound up with theirs that your joy sort of rises and falls with theirs so that their distress becomes your distress. So much so that when one of your kids is struggling, your heart's actually drawn more to that kid. Your heart goes out more to the one that's struggling and rebelling and doing badly. Your heart goes out more to them. And this is what Jesus is saying. When he says this kind of openness to broken people is his heart, he's saying something much more emphatic than just, I'm gracious. He's saying every time he sees broken, brokenness and sin, the deepest instinct of his heart is to move towards that, not away from it. He's drawn to it. He's saying every time he sees people in their mess, he's drawn to them to make them clean. He's saying doing that is like the joy of his life. He's saying that's what he's about. That's what gets him out of bed in the morning. It's his joy to do that. It's his heart. This is what he loves to do. And, you know, if you think I'm exaggerating, just think about this. Imagine a doctor who spent years trying to get medical care out to refugees in a war zone, maybe somewhere like Chad. And so she's given herself over to establishing a field hospital and getting supplies out there. But because of everything they've been through, the refugees in the camp are deeply suspicious and they won't engage. And then finally, after a long standoff that lasts for weeks, one or two brave people step forward to receive the care that's being offered. What would she feel in that moment? Joy. Joy. In fact, her joy kind of rises and falls to the degree that sick people come to her for healing, doesn't it? Why? Because that's the whole reason she came. That's what she's all about. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us about himself. Jesus doesn't get irritated when we come to him again for forgiveness and out of our distress and our emptiness. That's the whole reason he came. It's his joy to give healing and comfort and cleansing like that. That's what gets him out of bed in the morning. He's saying, it's my joy to do that. I love to do that. See, when we try and apply this to ourselves, I, like, I think we find it almost too hard to believe, don't we? Because, you know, do you see what this means for you? It means that when you mess up in your life, when you rebel against God and you reject him and you rage against him and you kind of crash and burn, this is what he does. He comes out looking for you. He seeks after you. He moves towards you in that moment comes after you with even greater urgency than usual in that moment. He comes looking for you with an unstoppable love that won't be turned back and won't be turned aside until he's found you and he's put you on his shoulders and he's carried you home. Because Jesus tells these stories, doesn't he, about God's heart. He tells a story about, you know, when he's trying to reveal the heart of God, he tells a story about a shepherd who leaves behind the 99 sheep in the field and goes out looking for the lost one because his heart is drawn to the one that's in a mess. Or he tells a story about a dad with two sons, one of whom is totally screwed up by all his addictions and immorality. And so the dad goes out looking for him and he finds him and he brings him in. But 
The other son's totally screwed up by all his self-righteousness and anger and arrogance. And so a second time in the story, the dad goes out looking for him and brings him in. He goes out twice in the story. And Jesus says, that's our God. He says, that's what I'm like. That's what God's like. When Jesus says this kind of openness is his heart, he's saying he never tires of this. He never tires of lifting broken people up. This is what his heart is drawn to. This is his passion. Jesus doesn't cringe at the thought of reaching out to you in your sinfulness and your mess and your brokenness. Jesus cringes at the thought of holding back from you in that moment. He loves to do this. Not just when you're sinning either. When you don't know the way, when you feel lost and confused about what to do, when you feel like you're just totally empty and running on fumes, it's the same. He comes looking for you and he seeks you out. Do you know the moments in my life when I've really blown it and I've thought, man, now it, it must be over. God, you know, God can't keep going with me. And there's been a few of those moments over the years. They've been the moments when I've met God in amazing ways. I was looking at my journal this week, getting ready for this evening. And on one of those days, Russ said before, I have lots of dreams. On one of those days when I thought I'd totally blown it, that night I had a dream about one of our kids as a toddler slipping over in the toilet, smashing their arm, falling in their own wee, getting covered in mess. And in the dream, I picked them up and I held them, you know, in spite of the mess. And I just, I just totally loved them. And then I heard God in the dream, God's voice just saying, this is my heart for you. On another one, I spent the night tossing and turning, thinking about everything I needed to do to try and make things right with God. And then as I woke up in the morning, I heard God's voice just saying this, while he was still a long way off. While he was still a long way off, which is a line from that story Jesus told about the dad who goes out looking for the sons when they're in a mess. And I wrote in my journal, I felt as though God was stroking my head showing me kindness and tenderness that I just don't deserve. You know, like I know this from my own experience. This really is what Jesus is like. He really is this drawn to sin and weakness. He really does come after us in kindness in those moments. And to know a God like that is to step into rest because, you know, think about it. Like what greater comfort could there possibly be than to be loved by a love like this? What greater source of value in life could there possibly be than to be wanted by a love like this? What greater security in life could there possibly be than to be held by a love like this? And Jesus is saying this love is for you and for me. The author Dane Ortland says this promise from Jesus is for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty, those who are running on fumes, those whose Christian lives feel like they're running up a down escalator, those of us who find ourselves asking, how can I mess up that badly again? Those of us who suspect God's patience with us is wearing thin, those of us who know God loves us but who suspect we've disappointed him, deeply disappointed him, who've told others of his love but wonder whether for us he might harbor mild resentment. Who wonder if we've shipwrecked our lives beyond repair or who've been swept off our feet by perplexing pain and are wondering how we can possibly keep on living under such a terrible numbing darkness. Jesus has this kind of rest and love for us when we're feeling like that. 
And so thirdly then, lastly, how do we get that rest? And it's not complicated, is it? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me. He says, that's all it takes to have the longings of your heart fulfilled. Come to me and take my yoke upon you. That's just about walking with him, isn't it? Take my yoke was another way of saying walk with me because the yoke was that, the wood that they put on the backs of animals when they were plowing so they'd walk together. And those yokes were always like super heavy and subduing. It kind of like, you know, kept the animals under control. But Jesus says, yeah, walk with me. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and light. He says, my yoke's more like, you know, a, a life boy for a drowning man. He says, it's not something that's going to weigh you down. You put this on your shoulders. It's something that's going to lift you up. You know, think of a yoke so light that it's filled with helium. And it's on your shoulders. And it's lifting you up. Jesus says, that's what it's like to walk with me. Which make, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because, you know, what's it like walking through life with someone this kind who loves you? It does lift you up, doesn't it? What's it like spending time with someone, a friend who's super kind and who really loves you? How do you feel after you spend time with someone like that? Always you feel refreshed and energized and lifted up, don't you? Jesus says, that's what it's like to walk with me. He says, take my yoke upon you because following me, walking with me, living the way I live, that's not something that's going to weigh you down. It's going to bring you joy. It's going to lift you up. And so we're going to do that. We're going to come to him. We're going to ask him to come and rest upon us, to put that yoke upon us and to lift us up. Why don't we do that? Why don't we just pray together? Why don't we just ask Jesus to come and give us an encounter with that kind of heart right here in this room tonight? Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you want to just open your hands in front of you just as a way of saying, Lord, I, you know, I'm here. I'm giving you the attention of my heart in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just want to open ourselves up to you. We just want to say, Lord, we, we need you and we need refreshment, Lord. We need what Matt was reading about before, Lord. We need you to, to help us to lie down and to rest, Lord. We need you to bring us into quiet waters and green pastures, Lord, to refresh our souls and to restore our souls, Lord. We need that. Lord, we need to be walking through life with a friend who is so for us and so supportive and so loving and encouraging and forgiving that they come after us in our weakest moments with greater urgency. Lord, we need that. Thank you, Lord. So we're just saying, Lord, come and rest upon us right now in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Jesus says, come to me. Why don't you just say to him in your heart, Lord, here I am. Thank you, God.
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Maybe you want to just, um, you know, you want to do something active to communicate, Lord, I'm coming to you. Why don't you just stand up just as a way of saying, God, I'm coming to you in this moment, Lord. I need this kind of encounter with your heart tonight. Why don't you just stand up right now if you want to come to him and give yourself to him in that kind of a way. We're going to worship again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, whatever might feel like it's under pressure in your life at the moment or feel like it's crumbling or fracturing or is under strain, this thing, Jesus says, is consistent in your life. This one thing is consistent. It's this. His heart for you is totally unchangeable. His heart for the real you, the one that nobody else sees, his heart for that you is totally unchangeable and consistent. He's for you. And he says, I'm humble and gentle. I'm lowly. I'm accessible to you. I'm here for you right now in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and Holy Spirit, we just want to pray that you would rest upon us as we worship. Holy Spirit, we just want to pray that you would pour out the love and the mercy of Jesus in a fresh way and in a way that touches us deeply and in a way that impacts our hearts. Please teach us how to walk with him, Holy Spirit. Please. And give us rest, we pray. Please, as we go forward together. In Jesus' name. Amen.